Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of the message is, It's Time to Win. It's time to win. Oftentimes we can find ourselves in the middle of battles that have been going on for too long. And there's this thought that crosses your mind. I'm done. I cannot fight this particular battle anymore. It's time to win. And, and I've had this own thought in my mind over the past few weeks where there's certain battles that have come up in my life, some very intense, some not so intense. But in my mind, I've thought to myself, I'm done fighting this. It's time to win. It's time to win. On three, say it's time to win. One, two, three. Ooh, you sound good. You sound good. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, you sound good today. You sound good today. Let's do it again. One, two, three. It's time to win. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 3, it reads like this, 3 and 4. It reads like this. So the Philistine army met the Israelites. They faced them face to face on two opposing hills. And there was a valley in between them. Then Goliath. The champion of the Philistine army from Gath came out from amongst the ranks of the Philistines to face the forces of the Israelites. In verse number 23, it reads like this. And then 40 days, after 40 days, every morning and evening, Goliath, would strut in front of the Israelite army. The Israelites were the children of God. The Philistines were the enemies of God. They were locked. They weren't moving. 40 days, 40 nights, both armies facing each other. Goliath was a nine-foot warrior. He could almost roll a basketball off of his head and make it go into the hoop. He was huge. He had a bronze helmet. He had a bronze jacket that weighed 125 pounds. He had bronze on his legs. His spear was tipped with iron that weighed 15 pounds. Pounds. He was a giant. So he would come out every single morning, every single evening and waltz back and forth. And he would, he would yell, send me one warrior to represent all of you. I'll fight him. The winner gets the spoils. One warrior every single morning. The Israelites were in a full blown panic. They were in complete fear. I'm going to talk to you about three things this morning. I'm going to talk to you first about the opportunity. Then I'm going to talk about the opponent. And then I'm going to make some closing remarks, some closing observations. So first the opportunity, then the opponent, and then some closing observations. 
David was 15 years old, according to the theologians I read in the commentaries. He was around 15 years old. He shows up on the battlefield bringing a knapsack to bring food to his brothers. When he arrives on the battlefield, he asks, what is going on? And he would tell his brothers, look, mom's worried about you. Dad's worried about you. He'd look at his other brother. Your wife is worried. Your kids, they're worried. You ought to see. They can't even lift the grain up to feed the donkeys. Have you ever been so consumed with one problem that now it affects everything else? Are you with me? Say yes. One problem affects everything else. And so somebody grabbed David by the sleeve and said, Do you know that the king said, Whoever kills Goliath will receive three things. Number one, he will be rich. Number two, he can pick any daughter of his to marry. Not, uh, it kind of seems, shouldn't she have a say in that? But I, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. So, so Saul says, I will make you rich. You can pick any one of my daughters, number two. And number three, the entire family tree of your father's household, no one will have to pay taxes. David loses his mind. I don't know how hot those, those girls were because at 15, you're not really paying taxes, right? I don't know how hot those girls were. I don't know how long he's been staring at them. I don't know, but he loses his mind. He hears it from one soldier. He doesn't believe it. You can read it for yourself. First Samuel 17. Then he goes to someone else. He goes to another soldier. It says, what will the person get if they kill Goliath? They tell him the exact same three. You're going to be rich. You're going to pick any daughter you want. He already had someone in mind, obviously. And then number three, nobody has to pay taxes. He still didn't believe it. Read it for yourself. He goes to someone else. He says, what will the person get? They tell him the exact same thing. For David... He did not see the opponent. He only saw the opportunity. That's all he saw was the opportunity. The enemy spends every moment of his time distracting you. Every moment of his time with problems that many of them are legitimate problems. But these problems are arrows from hell. It's, it's like the Lord of the Rings. It, it's like they shoot these arrows so fast. Just one problem after the next, after the next, after the next, after the next. Why? That is his strategy. It is Satan's strategy to overwhelm us with problems, overwhelm us with opposition, so that we do, we no longer see the opportunity. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 20, Jesus says, there will be many people who receive the word, the gospel, the news about Jesus. And they'll be excited about it. But they'll fall away just as soon as problems come their way. In verse 22, it says this, Matthew 13, 22. Many people will be excited about the message of God. But as soon as worries worries, worries in the lure of wealth, worries, then they fall away. 
problems and worries. Worries and problems. So David does not see it. The only thing that he sees is the greatest opportunity of a lifetime. That's all he sees. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, you are extended. You personally. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, uh, he's talking to me. You don't have to listen right now. Go ahead. <laughs> you are extended an opportunity from the creator of the universe. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, God says, I am inviting you. To be in partnership with my son Jesus. You can walk every pathway. Run every hill. And climb every mountain. And you will never find an opportunity greater. More significant. As special. As that opportunity that God is giving you right there. He's saying, I'm inviting you into partnership with my son. Sometimes when I pray, I say to the Lord, you're giving me the greatest opportunity on the planet. There's no, if, if Elon Musk were to call you up and say, I've got to burn a billion. Do you have any business ideas that we can partner with? You would lose your mind. You would think to yourself, the richest man on the planet is asking me to be in partnership with him. I'm telling you, the living God is saying, I don't want you to just acknowledge me and be fine. I don't, no, 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 no. I want to talk with you. Talk with you. Not just talk with you, but to, for you to be able to recognize his voice. To walk in cadence. All of this stuff is true. Even if you have been born and raised in the church. You attended church in your mother's womb. You were in church before you were born. This still remains true. That a partnership of walking in cadence with God where he's whispering to you and you're whispering to him. And what you lay your hand on prospers. This is all real. I don't care how many times you've heard it. It's real. It's an opportunity. It's the greatest opportunity in the world. And the only way that you express a yes is to say yes. That's it. This is the opportunity. Oh, I got to say something. This illustrates my point. I was going scuba diving with my wife. Where were we? With your father, your, your brother, my brother. Uh, Bog uh, Rogata? Uh, Rat Ratatouille? What is it? Roatan. Roatan. I knew you would know, Adam. Uh, Roatan. He likes to scuba dive. I've never been scuba diving. My wife's never been. None of us have ever been scuba diving. We're in Roatan. You could look off the boat and see all the way down to China. That's how clear. That's how clear the water was. So clear. So we're all booted up and they said, okay, look, none of you have ever been scuba diving before. We're just going to drop off the boat. It's only 20 feet down. Two basketball goals, 20 feet down. We're going to get down there. We're going to look at each other. We're going to make sure everybody's good. And then we're going to just start exploring. 
They said, Frankie, you go first. I'm like, why me first? They said, just sit on the back of the boat and just throw your head backwards. And I thought to myself, self, (laughs) under what terms do you just throw your head backwards and that's what you're supposed to do? Okay, so I throw my head backwards. I go down to the bottom. I start panicking. Full-blown panic. I can see the boat. It's 20 feet up. I got to kick my feet two times and I'm there. I'm panicking. (gasps) The woman comes down to me. She gets this far away from me. She goes. She can't talk. I went. She said. She goes like this. She goes. I said. We're arguing with sign language. Back and forth. I went into a full-blown panic. There was this thought while we were arguing. I looked at some coral about 15 feet away. It was yellow coral. Never seen, I've never seen yellow coral in my whole life. The only time I've ever seen yellow coral is fake coral inside of a fish tank. And I had this thought, Frankie, if you swim over to that coral, you're going to forget you're scared. Just go over there to that coral. And I thought to myself, no, I'm scared and I'm getting out of here. But I will never forget that moment. Just swim over to that coral and you'll forget you're scared and you'll start having fun. No, we go up. She's upset. There's another person down there with the rest of the team, with with the rest of the family. They come back after about 45 minutes and they're like, you are not going to believe what we saw. We saw this green eel coming out. We saw an octopus. We saw jaws. They're coming out. They're talking about all the things they saw. And I'm sitting at the restaurant like this. (laughs) Because the fear of it paralyzed me. I could not get myself to focus on the opportunity. I couldn't do it. I could not do it. You know what they said in the restaurant? Oh yeah, we were scared too. I almost threw my bottle of Topo Chico across the wall. I almost threw it. If you've never had Topo Chico, it's the best mineral water known to mankind. I almost picked it up and threw it because my wife said she was scared and she did it anyway. The only difference was I was focused on one thing. She was focused on another thing. You got to get the opportunity, the opportunity. The opportunity to walk with God. What other opportunity on this planet is worthy of your attention? The opportunity. Oh my goodness. Just encourage me. Let's talk about the opponent. David is 15 years old. He looks across and he sees Goliath. And he says... This guy's uncircumcised. Only a 15-year-old would say that out loud. He's And he keeps saying it. Read it yourself. He says it two times, which means at some point, some guy forgot how many times he mentioned it. He mentioned it at least twice. He's uncircumcised. Everybody's looking at how tall he is, and his eyes are like down. 
If he were 10 feet away, Goliath would be like, I'm up here. Look, up, up here. He can't get it out of his head. You're uncircumcised. It's as far as he could go. He's 15. That's all he can think about. Why is that such a big deal to him? First of all, the obvious. The second, people who don't get circumcised in those days were making a public statement. I am not cutting off my flesh to serve you. My flesh is not going anywhere. The Bible says that in, uh, let me pick, a, oh yeah, this is a good verse. I was going to use a different one. This one's a good one. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. It says this, that many will have a form of godliness, but they will reject the power that could truly make them godly. Have nothing to do with these people. They reject it. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to live the way I want to live. I'm going to say what I want to say. I'm going to act the way I want to act. But thank God he's a God full of mercy. It's all right. Oh, no one can make a fool of God. No one can. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 16, it says that because you are neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. David is going, this guy is uncircumcised. He's not a man of God. He's an enemy of God. In other words, he was not looking at the man. He was looking at the spirit. It wasn't Goliath. It was the spirit that he had. He had a spirit about him that was opposed to God. When you are in a battle for days, weeks, months, and it's the same battle. Remember, Goliath, every morning and every evening, would taunt the Israelites. If you have the same battle before you get out of bed in the morning... And the same battle taunting you as you lay down at night. The same battle again in the morning. The same worries and fears and anxieties at evening. The same, the same, the same, the same, the same, the same. Same worries, same anxieties. They're not different. It's the same one over and over and over and over again. I want to let you know, you're not having a bad day. There's a wolf in the woods. If there's five chickens on the fence and one chicken is squawking, that chicken's having a bad day. If all five chickens are squawking, there's a wolf in the woods. You have to have this obvious sense, this, this knowing. This is not normal. Some people make it normal. They have the same battle. The same battle with the spouse, same battle with the husband, same battle with fear, same battle over and over and over again. There's got to be something in you that begins to identify what it is. Because if you don't know who you're fighting, you cannot win. You cannot win. You can't win. David was not looking at Goliath. He was looking at a spirit. Let me illustrate this. When my wife and I first got married, we moved into a one-bedroom 
uh, duplex. You could vacuum the entire house without pulling out the cord out of the wall. <laughs> the whole, I, I distinctly remember, I think I can vacuum my room from the living room without pulling the cord out. It, it's a true story. I'm not, it, and then we moved to Houston from uh, Rockford, Illinois. We moved to Houston and we got a, a two bedroom apartment. That was great. And this house came available for rent. And I just thought there's no way we could ever afford to rent this house. And Allie told me, she goes, I did the number 72 times. We can afford it. I was like, I don't think we can. I don't think so. Anyway, we move in. I'd go to sleep at night thinking, the landlord's going to find out we can't afford this tomorrow morning. And he's going to ask us to leave. The next morning I'd wake up and I think that was my last night here. I'd go to sleep at night thinking this is my last night in this place. Every morning, every night, I'm assuming like I need to call the apartment complex back up and tell them save 614. We're coming back. Allie said, Frankie, relax. Frankie, relax. So I decided I am going to thank God every morning for the night before. I remember this. I'd wake up. I'd go into a room and I would say, God, this is probably my last time to be in this house. I just want to say thank you for last night. I want to say thank you for last night. It was such a, it was a great night. I mean, I got up in the middle of the night at 2.30 and had some raisin bran. Like, it was a great... And I'd walk through it. The air conditioning was perfect. The, the carpet was perfect. I'd walk through it. And then when I'd go to sleep at night, I'd say, man, God, thank you that I get to sleep in this room tonight. Thank you for this house tonight. Thank you for this room tonight. And after I did that about six or seven days, do you know that my prayers changed? Because I no longer had the fear and the anxiety that I was going to lose the house. It wasn't the finances. It was the spirit. There was a spirit of fear. It was a spirit of anxiety. And when you begin to praise God, you don't have to look for God. God finds you. The presence of God finds you. It finds you. These are your options. These are your options. When you are in the middle of a battle and you are being overwhelmed, you can look at God like this. which we all know how far you're going to get on that. You can ignore that God's even there. Good luck with that. Or you can step out by faith and say, okay, 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 okay. It's, it's not that Frankie has something to say. It's what he said that's resonating with me. Because in Jeremiah, 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 29, no, 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 20, 30, 33, 33. 2913, if you will seek me and seek me with all your heart, you will find me. You will find me. You will find me. Will you make sure that's Jeremiah 2913? Is it right? You will find me. Let me close with this last thought. My final observation. When David got back after killing Goliath, and he's looking at everyone, he killed him with a rock and a stone. They, no doubt, were happy, but there were some of them that were not happy. 
Because Malcolm Gladwell wrote in his book, David and Goliath, that it was Goliath that was at a distinct disadvantage, not David. See, Goliath came down with a sword and a spear. David came down with a rock and a slingshot. In those days, they could send that rock out of the slingshot so fast that Malcolm Gladwell wrote that it was the, it is the equivalent of a 45 caliber pistol. You can see the medieval paintings in caves of people hitting birds out of the air with the slingshot. When Goliath came down, he was inviting them, come fight me. The nonverbal was, come fight me the way I want to fight. And everyone believed it. I can't come down there with a sword. You're too big. David had this moment, the only one walking with God. The... He has this moment where he says, I don't have to fight you on your terms. I'm going to fight you on my terms. When he came running out as a 15-year-old kid, Goliath knew he was in trouble. He showed up with a knife to a gunfight. All of the Philistines, all of the Israelites, when they saw that 15-year-old boy with his tongue hanging out, they all knew. Oh, no. Boom. Mic drop. When he came back to the Israeli army, you know, there were people who had a slingshot on their hip. You know what they said. Well, I could have did that. You know what I think David said? Yeah, you could have, but you didn't. The archers that turned the the sky black with their arrows, they could have easily came down to Goliath. Easily. The archers looked at him and said, we could have did that. And David would say, you could have. But you did it. From the core of my being. From the core of my being. Let me say. Don't say to yourself. I could have. But I didn't. Because when you start walking with God. When you say, if I only do one thing today, if I only do one thing, have you ever looked at a things to do list and thought, which one of those things is the most important? The most important is getting on your knees and spending time with the creator of the universe. The creator of the universe. He spins the world on the tip of his finger. Creator of the universe. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Never stop praying after that. You get in your car, you're praying, you're in the hallway praying, you're 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 praying. This is when you decide it's time to win. Number one, the opportunity, oh, it's to be close to you. Number two, the opposition is not a flesh and is not a fleshly being, and it's not a green being, aka money. 
the spirit. And number three, just don't forget. All you, the, the, a, a rock and a sling are simple weapons. As simple as you, as your strengths may be, it's enough. Can you put your hands together for God for that? Come on. I, I can't let a service go by. Don't, don't put the blinds down yet. I can't let a service go by without showing a miracle. Why? I've been in church my whole life. I never saw miracles. We pastored this church for 13 years. Never saw them. During the first service, you guys are not going to believe this. A buddy of mine that I used to run the streets with on the east side of Houston, that if he talks, I have to blow his head off <laughs> and vice versa. He comes back and I'm talking to him in the back room. And he's like, what's happening here? How? This is not just church. And we can't ever let ourselves treat this like it's normal. It's not normal to see people healed every single Sunday. That's not normal. Bring the blinds down if you would. This particular testimony, I'm always curious as to which one they're going to play because there's so many of them. Um, but I saw this in the first service. This happened last Sunday. This was one of the coolest moments. Um, I don't, I'm not going to try to explain it. He, he did a good job all by himself. T take a look at this. that he's spoken directly to something that I'm experiencing. So he was talking about somebody that had um, some issues with breathing and respiratory and like a post-COVID sort of issue. And I had COVID a year ago and I was recently having these episodes of like coughing spells were kind of like asthmatic spells. So I actually had to go get my inhaler and start using it again. And I was getting frustrated with that because I'm like, what is going on with me? And so um, I'm just trying to contain that because oh, of course everybody looks at you funny when you're coughing <laughs> and so even though I'm not sick it just was like my, my lungs were were bothered so when he said that when he when he talked about the lungs and the respiratory and like a post-covid I'm like um you know Rita whispered in my ear she goes that's you and I, I said I know and so I went I came back down front and so he he came down and prayed with me and immediately like my back got on fire like it was my back started sweating it was so hot and, I, and he asked me to squeeze his hand when I felt something. I'm like, I'm squeezing his hand. And he goes, what do you feel? And I'm like, my back's on fire. And uh, he's, a, he's like, that's the Holy Spirit. Just, just let him work. Let him work. Let him heal you. And then, and then all of a sudden I got these like massive tingling went like up and through my face. And I almost felt like I was going to pass out. But it was intense. It was so intense. And, and then I was just like emotional. And so I just knew right there that the Holy Spirit was working and touching me and healing me. And I haven't had a coughing spell since Sunday. Today's Thursday. And I haven't even looked for my inhaler all week. And so I love when, when we come here to celebration, 
it's like you know something good something good is going to happen you're going to grow in the word or you're going to get healed or something good so and that's why i started coming here you know over a year ago is because i heard that people were being healed and i want to be a part of it In Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, it says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when we talk about what Jesus has done, we're actually talking about what he's about to do again. It's incredibly powerful. That's one of the reasons why we always play a testimony. Because in the process of showing you what happened to him the spirit within you says if it can happen to him it can happen to me but here's the thing some of us in this room life would be easier if your Goliath was a physical healing and we're going to go for physical healing this morning but your problem not physical you can't touch it if it involves another person you can't control them if it involves money you can't adjust it it's out of your reach the person is out of your reach the money is out of your reach and if you need a healing in your body the sickness the healing the healing for your sickness is out of your reach all out of your reach in Psalms 51 verse 1 it says but is the Lord's hand and his arm too short to save you and is his ear too deaf to hear you we all know the answer to it not out of his reach. Would you stand to your feet for me, please? Just put your hands out like this. And I want you to think of this, the situation in your life that you're holding out before him. And I want you to just say, whatever you want to do with this. If you don't want to change the situation at all, all you want to do is change me. I'm fine with it. What do you want to do with this? And just say, I'm giving it to you right now. And I want you to actually whisper those words, even if it's so soft that you can't even hear it. I want you to whisper those words. I'm giving it to you right now. And I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit just minister to you for a moment. You might want to say it a few times over and over again. I'm giving it to you right now.
fascinating. I've been holding my hands up to the Lord my whole life. And only within the last couple weeks do I feel my hands start tingling in these moments. in their bones I want to try to get specific here you have bone cancer or a disease in your bones may not be your entire body but maybe it is is that anyone in this room it's in your bones I don't want to get too specific because you may say, that was me. And then when I start giving examples, all of a sudden you think, no, that's not me. I only hear in part. Half of what I say, I might the details might be wrong. But you know if it's you. anyone here that your hands are tingling too I want you to come out of your seat and come down here even if it stopped but it did a minute ago and then it stopped I want to come down as close as you can and maybe it wasn't your hands but it was the top of your head God, when I was raised, it seemed like God only used the preachers. But those days are over. That's why I'm always trying to get you guys to join adult discipleship. There's an army being built here. I'm going to pray again. And if you feel heat or tingling or anything while I'm praying. I want you to come out of your seat. Get as close as you can. And if you're new here and you're like, what the heck is going on? When the creator of the universe comes by and just brushes you, you should expect a physical response. I want you to say to the Lord, God, if you touched me like that, I'll come down touch me like that I'll come down even if it's soft even if it's a not even a full second it's a half a second if you touch me like that I'll come down close your eyes and look to him with your hands out Holy Spirit build your army you don't have to repeat after me build your army Holy Spirit, right now, Holy Spirit, move in this room and touch your people.
there's someone here that's feeling heat in their chest right here. Wave at me if it's you. Just wave at me if it's you. Is it you? Right here. Is there someone else? You're feeling heat in your chest. Right here. Right here. I think this, I don't believe it's a physical healing. It might be for some, but God's burning something in your heart right now. birthday Omar can we sing that same song there's no official dismissal but I want to explain what's happening the presence of the Lord is touching you and the presence of the Lord never touches anyone and doesn't leave something on them and changes them for the rest of their life with your hands up like this just want you to talk to the Lord. He's moving on you. No official dismissal. You can leave when you get ready. But we live our whole life wanting to be in His presence. Let's not rush out. Holy Spirit. His mighty power and His grace. 